Really excited to be able to get into my message this morning. We started last week into a series called Dangerous Prayers. And really want to continue in that series because there are things that we pray and ask God for that maybe sometimes we don't realize exactly what that means. That's why I want to call them dangerous prayers. And, and I know there are a couple that come to our minds right away. We know better than to ask God for patience. Because what happens when you ask God for patience? You start getting opportunities to be patient. God, we know better than to ask God for joy or for peace because we're like, I ain't doing that because the second that happens, I know God's not just going to like throw it in me. I'm going to be put in situations and circumstances where I've got to learn how to do these things. And you know, there's a part of us that really hates that process, but I think deep down, we all love the idea of being on the other side of it. Wouldn't it be great that no matter what you face in life, you remain peaceful? No matter what you experience, you just maintain your joy, which is not the same as happiness, okay? Understand that you can be in the midst of circumstances that make you very unhappy, but maintain the joy of the Lord in your heart. And we want that. We don't want to go through the process to get there. But there's no other way to get through it. And I wanted to just kind of get into this this morning. This is in Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul writes this to the Ephesian church. It's his prayer for them regarding the love of God. And, and I think for all of us, we'd like to experience the love of God, right? Not just to know about it, but and, you know, not just an understanding, but I, I want God to so make himself known to me, to you, that that love is, is just a part of our nature. It's a part of the way that we view ourselves, the world, and God. And so this is the prayer that Paul gives for the Ephesian church. It starts in uh, verse uh, 16. It says, I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. This is a really awesome prayer, and there are some facets to this that I really want us to take a look at this morning. But here's the real question. Experience the love of God. How do I experience it? Not just hear about it. Listen, and I don't want to make light of this because I realize there are probably people in the room who struggle to feel loved by God. There are probably some of you in here who have experienced that, maybe in the past or maybe it's right now, that you've gone through a time where it's like, I know people say that God loves me, but I, I struggle to embrace that love, to feel it, to know it in myself. And so I want to wrestle with that today. How do we reach the point of feeling the love of God, experiencing the love of God in our lives? And so this prayer has five things in it that I want us to just take a quick look at. Number one, he prays, I'm praying for you to be strong. Now here's the funny thing. I don't know of a single world-class weightlifter who has become strong simply by joining a gym. How do you get there? Training. You've got to train, right? I mean, do you think that you just suddenly wake up, you know what, I think I want to bench press 400 pounds. And probably none of you, that would come to you, but I just want to bench press 400 pounds, all right? I want to do that. And then you, you're, it'll just happen naturally. No, you have to work at it because here's the reality. We can only become strengthened when we have to work in resistance against something that's trying to keep us from that strength. 
That's how strength happens. It's by working against something that is bigger, heavier, stronger than us with the help of God. And this is what he's praying for. I want you to be strong. But you've got to understand that strength comes from walking through some of the difficult seasons and times and places of life where God makes himself available to you and shows up in the midst of your circumstances. And he says, I want you to have trust for God. Trust is a very interesting concept, and I think in our world today, it's become much more muddy than we realize. I was speaking to uh, the, the, I helped coach with the uh, Hickory football team, and was talking to them about the concept of trust this past week. And the reality is that, especially for that age group, and I think for us as well, the concept of trust that we have is that if I agree with what you're saying and what you're doing, then I trust you. But the second you don't do what I think or what I say, then I don't trust you anymore. That's not trust. Trust is not expecting someone to act like you. Trust is when you expect them to act like them. Trust is when I say, and just to put it bluntly here, If I only trust somebody when they think the way that I do, I don't actually trust them. I just trust me. I'm the one I trust. Because you were in agreement with me, I trust you too. But the second you don't agree with me, then I don't trust you anymore. And can I tell you, this has hurt us to some extent in our relationship with God. How many times have you in your life thought, I I wish God would have done it this way, or in this time, or in this timing, or in this place. I, I thought God would do this or do that. And because we expected God to do what we think we would have done, and he didn't, we lost trust in him. But trust is not watching God do what we think he should do. It's watching God do what he knows is best. And through that process, learning that he knows what he's doing. Last, next thing is roots. Listen, we have to settle this idea in our hearts There are things that we are deeply rooted in. And a lot of times there's that difference between what we're rooted in that is worldly and what we're rooted in that is godly. We live every day of our lives having to battle for both. Listen, I get it. You're rooted in the fact that you have a house and cars and jobs and kids and marriages and relationships and all of these different things. And it's very easy to become rooted in those things. I've got to make my this bigger and nicer and I've got to get this. And, but in the midst of all of that is this countercultural idea where Jesus is saying, I want to teach you to be rooted in me. I want to teach you to find your roots in me and in my love and what I have in store for you and what I would speak over you, not just what you could accomplish with your own two hands and build in your own life. And he says, understanding. I want God's people to understand God's love. Again, we struggle with the concept that if somebody loves me, they would be good to me all the time, right? How many of you have ever heard of tough love? Right? How many of you have ever had to love somebody with tough love? Or been on the other side of being loved with tough love. Does that person still deeply care about you? Do you still deeply care about them? We have become very very isolated with the idea that if God isn't doing what we want him to do, when we want him to do it, and how we want him to do it, then we start to question, does God even love me anymore? Is God mad at me? Did I do something to offend God? Like, why am I going through this? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't add up because if God loves me, I shouldn't be going through this. But Paul's saying, I want you to have an understanding of God's love that it's not circumstantial. It doesn't mean that because you go through difficult things, God doesn't love you. Go back on the strength, the trust, the roots. Look at that for your foundation. Then lastly, he says fullness. And we read this last week as well in the prayer of Jabez where when we got into uh, James chapter one saying that God wants you to be complete and lacking in nothing. Listen, the process is painful, but the end result is worth it. 
I don't know who you think of in your life. And maybe take a second. Who is the most peaceful, patient person that you know? They're probably not somebody whose life has been unbelievably simple. They've just been handed, you know, sugarcane and lollipops their entire lives. They've gone through some things. And they've had to work through those things. They've had to to grind up against difficulty and in the process learn how to be peaceful and patient and trusting. It is a part of our relationship with God. And listen, I I think trust is a big one here and it's, it's something that we really need to understand of ourselves. I want you to think about your own personal relationships. Do we realize that the majority of our, of our relationships that are deep and strong, they are so because we have experienced mutual difficulty together. Think about the people you're closest with. You've gone through things together. You've experienced life together. You've gone through hardship together. And because of that, you trust them more. You trust how they're going to handle themselves in trial, in adversity. You trust them. And the same comes in our relationship with God. Then in the midst of this, as we look at at this prayer, this dangerous prayer that Paul prays, we see this contrast that comes out of it. Because what Paul is praying for is he says, look, there's a part of you that God has to remove so that he can then begin to install more of himself into you. How many of you realize you're still working on becoming the person God wants you to be? You're not done. I don't know who the oldest person in the room is here. Our first service, we had 99-year-old Chris Fear. He was the oldest in the room. No question about it. It doesn't matter who the oldest one in here is. God's not done working on you yet. It doesn't matter who the youngest person in here is. God's not waiting to start working on you. He's trying to get a hold of your heart even right now. And it is a process by which God is saying, I'm trying to take out what I call the sinful nature. I'm trying to install into you the fruit of the Spirit. We read that in Galatians chapter 5, and I want to go there just for a few moments as we kind of wrap this up. But in Galatians 5, Paul says this to the Galatian church, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, again, we've studied that earlier this year, that is the Greek word pornaya, which means that in the, in the code of conduct for how uh, we should handle sexual morality is that it is only between husband and wife in committed relationship. Anything outside of that is sexually immoral. He's saying that's what comes out of the sinful nature. Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. When you're probably looking at this list and you're like, so far, so good. Eh, let's go to the next page. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, divisive or division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, you probably haven't practiced in sorcery before, but I don't know about you, I've had a few outbursts of anger in my life. Did you watch the Broncos and the Niners game last week? I saw this great thing that said, Uh, It was like from a a lawyer. It said, if you watch the Broncos and the 49ers play, you may be eligible for compensation. (laughs) That's an outburst of anger during that, okay? Let's let's make this real, though. There are parts of this. That's a sin nature. That's our sin nature that God says I'm trying to get rid of. And here's the really important part. I don't want us to miss this. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, those things on the list that you're just like, oh, it's no big deal. 
excuse, that's not, you know, God's okay with that. He says, no, that you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And he says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. Basically what he's saying, there's no limit to these things. You can't go too far in the direction of being loving and kind and peaceful. And, and so here's what this prayer boils down to because the love of God is not simply meant for us to sit back and be like, that love is just so cool. It's so big. And, and I want to be very clear. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. God loves us. God loves you, okay? Romans 8, 31 to 39, and Paul says that to the Roman church. He goes, I'm just convinced that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, heights or depths or anything. We're, we're going to be loved by God. But what is that love supposed to be producing in us? When I'm praying, God, would you help me to know your love better? Would you help me to experience what it means to love you and to be loved by you in my life? Here's the dangerous part of what I'm praying. God, would you help to remove the sin nature from within me and begin to restore within me, to build up within me the fruit of your spirit that's gonna change my life? Would you do that for me, God? Would you help me to overcome my past hurts and brokenness, the things that are in my family tree? Maybe it's some kind of generational curses, if you will. Would you help me to overcome those things, God? Because I want to be more like you. But then we're stuck in the midst of that, and we look at it and we say, oh, the journey to get from here to there looks so painful. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe God would just be okay if I was not as, as, as good at some of these things as we should be. Can I tell you, a couple weeks ago, I was reading this in my devotions, and uh, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it's what I did. Um, I wrote these things down, and I graded myself on them. I wrote down the nine fruit of the Spirit, and I gave myself a grade between one and ten where I think these things are at. And I got to tell you, the one I scored the lowest on was patience. I'm just not, I, like, I struggle with patience. Like, Years ago when McDonald's was like, we'll have your food in 90 seconds or less or it's free, they lied. They lied. And so then they took the timers down. I'm like, okay, don't make promises like that. Or for a while they'd be like, if we don't deliver your pizza in 30 minutes, it's on us. No, they lied, right? Patience is difficult. But all of these things are tough. But here's what we tend to do. Here's what we do. We look at the fruit of the Spirit and we tell ourselves, man, I got to work on some of these things. I gotta work, oh, I gotta work on being more loving. I gotta work on having more joy. I gotta work on having more gentleness. Oh, my self-control, I've got to work on that. I gotta find some book that can tell me, hey, 10 ways to, to, to be more fruitful in your walk. I gotta, I gotta work on these things. Can I just tell you for a second, please hear me. These aren't things you can work on. You can't grow the fruit of the Spirit in yourself. They are an evidence of God working in you. When God is at work inside of you, when he is removing more and more of the sin nature, that, that former list, right? When he's removing more and more of those things, he starts to put in some of these things. And the indicator that should come to us is when I look through this list and I say, okay, maybe it's excusable to me that I tell myself, well, I'm not very gentle or I'm not very patient or I don't have a whole lot of peace. God forgives that. Here's the reality of what we're looking at is this is the measure of how much God is working within me. And if I'm seeing places that I don't have enough, that there are deficiencies, then it needs to me and it needs to indicate to our hearts, I need more of God. And again, it's not a list that I can go work on. 
It's something that I can only do by getting closer to Jesus. By pursuing relationship with God. That's how you become strengthened and filled with the fruit of the Spirit. This is part of that prayer. And God says, listen, this is how it happens for my people. I know, believe me, I know. I want life to be simple. If there was an option that it was like, hey, you can choose this path and it's going to be all easy, I think most of us would say, okay, give me the easy path. And if there was another path that said, hey, it's going to be really hard on this path, but at the end, you're going to be a great person, most of us would be like, eh, how great? Like, define great. I need numbers. We, none of us want that. We don't want it. We don't want the process. But God says, in order for you to fully understand my strength, the trust, the roots that I'm putting in, in order for you to understand these things, my love for you, so that you'll be complete, so that the fruit of the Spirit will begin to come out of your life, in order for those things to happen, you've got to go through some things with me. We're going to have to do it together. We're going to have to walk through some of those difficulties together so you learn to trust me. Learn my strength. Learn my love. Learn my commitment to you. And it doesn't just happen on its own. In just a few moments, we're going to take communion together. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul instructs the early church. He says, when you take communion, you need to examine yourself. Can I tell you, that's one of the most grossly overlooked aspects of communion in the church today, is this idea of examining yourself. He says, because if you don't, you might take communion. Remember what Jesus has done for you in a way that is unworthy of God. It's like spitting in his face. And so it's like examine myself. How do I examine myself? By looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Is love coming out of me? Is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Are these things coming out of me? Is this a part of me? And if not, I'm not saying, hey, if, you, if you're not getting one of those right, no communion today. That's not the way it works. But it's to say, God, I need more of you. I need more of you. Uh, God, would you grow the fruit of your spirit in my life? Would you grow it? Would you water it? Would you help it? Would you plant it in me so that I can be more like you? So I want to ask our board members, if you would, to get into place here as we're going to get ready to serve. But I want to use this as a moment. Our worship team, you can come to the stage. I want to challenge you to use this moment for self-examination. Not me. You're not going to sit down across from me. Praise the Lord, you don't even have to sit down across from your spouse. We're not going to grade each other. We're going to challenge each other. But to take this moment to say, you know what? I want to think about myself. Which is in me? Which is not in me? How much of God do I have at work within me? What's working in my heart and my life? Is it more me? Is it more of the physical Where's the fruit of the Spirit showing up in my life? And if it's not, can I encourage you? Jesus sat down with his disciples and he held out bread and a cup of juice like we we're going to do in just a few moments. And he said, listen, this bread, it represents my body that was broken for you. I'm going to allow it to be broken for you so that you can be whole. This cup is my blood which is poured out for you so that you can be healed so that you can have relationship with God, the fruit of the Spirit, so that you can have these things because I want you to have them. And so I want to invite you to begin to work your way to the front so that we can be served. If you could come down the the side aisles here and then work your way to the outside to go back to your seats. But as we do this, let let it be a moment where we just think to ourselves, challenge ourselves on what it means 
to be in relationship with Jesus. Poured out on the field 
pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself that on the night when he was betrayed the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it and then he broke it in pieces and he said this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood do this in remembrance of me Jesus said, I let my body be broken. I let my blood be shed for you. So God, we thank you for your body, which was broken for us. And as we remember your sacrifice, God, we do so by challenging ourselves to look at the relationship that we have with you, the fruit of the Spirit in our hearts and our lives. And we give you glory, God, for the incredible part that you play in that journey. We love you. Let's take the bread together. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. We are undeserving, but we have been justified by this incredible gift. And God, we thank you for loving us that much. God, I pray that we would be transformed daily by your great love and mercy for our lives. That we would live in accordance in the reality of what you have done, the sacrifice you have made for us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We realize your love for us. And God, we realize that that love may not always look the way that we want it to. We realize that sometimes it's hard and it's a process, but you're growing within us something that is everlasting and eternal. God, I pray that you would help us on that journey to see that the end is worth it because it's what you're putting into us, taking out that sinful nature, growing inside of us the fruit of your spirit, that we would delight in that process, God, realizing that it's for your glory and that's for our good. And Jesus, through all of it, through every trial, every tribulation, every difficulty, every struggle, may we be able to look to you and say, Jesus, we love you. We trust you. We remain rooted in you. We know your strength. We understand your love, God. We don't lack because of you. We thank you, God, for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Live in the strength and goodness and love of Jesus. Allow him to work in and through you. As you go out today, encourage one another. Jesus has given you a great gift. Give that love back to others. Receive God's love. would love to invite you once again to the Life Center to meet Pastor Matt and Mary and Miles and get a D'Onofrio's Donuts. If you need prayer this morning, our prayer team will be up at the front and would love to meet with you. But have a wonderful day and be blessed as you go and love on each other.
glad y'all stayed.